2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, John Deere Classic, DraftKings Picks, and Preview, along with the one and done, and the almost final betting card. The actual final betting card will be released on Monday afternoon to subs to the newsletter. Now you can subscribe to that newsletter, it's completely free, it's down in the description, and you'll get it sent directly to you. I'm going on vacation... For like five days, so it's not going to be a super in-depth newsletter this week. But we'll have all the pertinent information that you need, and hopefully we can keep the good times rolling with the betting card in the newsletter right now. Tambo is joining me on the line because he has no ACL left. How's it going? Yeah, <laughs> It's
1: not that bad. Let's, let's hope for the best here, Pat. We don't want to say torn ACL, but it's good to be here with you still. Excited. you got a little vacation coming up. we got a Ricky Fowler W in the mix, so that was nice. And, and lots to talk about for this week for the John Deere Classic.
2: Well, I went over my bets and nothing has really changed for me from the Monday show that I did with Jeff. And you just asked me beforehand if I had Taryn at 100 to 1. And I do have Taryn at 100 to 1. Who else ended up making your very early betting card? I've got, I think it's done. I don't know. Maybe I can add one more,
1: but I got Steven Yeager at 40. Love him. Love this spot for him. I've got Reavy. I got the 80. I know a lot have less than that. I got Nick Hardy at 80. I got Matthew Neesmith at 90. I got Callum Terran at 100, and I got Chad Ramey at 125, so a little six-pack there for you. All
2: right. Uh, I only ended up going with Shank at the very top, and I'm still kind of wishy-washy. That's why... Uh, We're recording this a day earlier than we normally do because I'm going away, and this is what we do every, you know, four weeks or so when I go on a vacation that starts on a Tuesday, that, you know, sometimes it's hard to get those Wednesday shows out when you're not around. But, you know, more the merrier, more time to consume the content. Play in the Listener's League, by the way. There's two of them out this week. One for the John Deere, which is filling very quickly, and one for the Open Championship in two weeks' time with over $100,000 of rake-free guaranteed money. So I suggest you go reserve your spot in that one right now as well, because people are always telling me that they miss out on the major championship weeks because it fills too quickly. Well, this is literally your chance to get in too early, and boom, just tie up the 45 bucks for two weeks, you'll be good to go. Or even the 15 bucks if you only want to play one entry, it is a three max. I suggest you play the three, but if you only want to play one, make sure you get your spot right now before you forget, all right? Down in the description at the moment. I went with Shank at 35 from the top of the board. I'm still thinking about adding someone else at the top of the board, but that was sort of like the only... I mean, I think everyone's betting Shank. I think he's down to 25 to 1 right now or 28 to 1, whatever it may be. But other than that, uh, you know, Shez and Taryn, I'm on those two with you. I have at 80 and 100 because we both bet them early. Other than that, it's like Dylan Wu and Michael Kim both at 90 with the top five. And instead of Chad Ramey, I went with Crazy Carl Yuan at 150 yep. to 1. I, I like him in scoring fests.
1: Hey, he almost came through for you there last week. I mean, he definitely came through as a DraftKings value. I know you liked him quite a bit going into last week, and I saw your little slip-up there you posted on Twitter of this lineup instead of that lineup, and I know I think he was in the better one, correct? He was in both of them. Oh, that that's what it was. There was somebody that, what was the miss then? You had, there was two lineups, and one was much stronger than the other, I think, or one didn't have the miscut. cut.
2: Yeah, well, I had the core four built all around it. It was Ricky, Aberg, Smalley, and Carl Wan, those four. So then you just had to figure out the two V2s in between. And the better lineup had Aaron Rye and Taylor Moore in it. And the one that mm-hmm. I played as my, my high stakes team was JJ Spawn and Austin Eckrode. Yeah.
1: Hard, hard choices there. Eckrode, did you have the hundred bucks? I know everyone was talking all week about if I had to just played Hadwin over Eckrode. It's funny how easy that gets when the results get on screen and we see what's happening over the weekend.
2: Yeah, well, I think we talked about that last week. We're trying to find who the pivot guy was in that area. Uh, I did play some had one. I definitely did not have enough. And I think that you ended up going with Tom Hoagie?
1: Hoagie was there, and then I liked Taylor Moore as well, which worked out, but it was in that lineup, you already had him. So, yeah, that, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it was just tough um, you know, to really come through. Like, I mean, and then Aberg just completely tanked it on the weekend. Sam Bennett ended up being the better play than Aberg. Didn't he look did, like it. Actually. Didn't look like it for a while, though.
1: Yeah, he had a really good round in there as well, too. So he kind of, you know, this guy is going to be a little bit boomer bust, but the one thing we talked about last week with him was maybe he's the guy that gets on an easy course, and that was not what ended up being the case for JT, because
2: back to another easy course, back to another early plane ride out. I suppose that's true. I brought this theory up to Jeff, and I don't know if it's going to be true or not, but I do think that the change of scenery for Scottish and British Open might help him out a little bit. Just whatever you're doing wrong you're not even going to have the like he couldn't chip last week in Detroit this is one of the premier chippers of the past 10 years uh in terms of his short game maybe just getting him to a place where he can you know have the creativity juices come back a little bit maybe that's enough to pull him out of this rut
1: <laughs> well we it's a good time to find out when you and I get to that point again you talked about your Listers league contest that's maybe one of the better ones I've seen it's huge it's got what 100k in there rake free and then on top of it uh, you know, we we'll, we'll get them at very low ownership when we head into that tournament, especially.
2: Well, let's get to... We were going to talk about the weather, but we're still too far out as we're recording this right now. There's nothing on the radar right now that would have me concerned. You know, ask me in two days' time when I check into the radar. It can be completely different. So I'll have those updates for sure in the newsletter when it comes out with a link to the weather tower that we're going to use to see if there's any splits that are going to be available. In terms of the one-and-done, uh, we should have just took Ricky. Like, we, <laughs> we know that everyone did take Ricky. It was... I used him in one of my one and done. He was 19% owned, which was actually a bit less than we thought he was going to be, but still by far, far and away the number one guy. We use Keegan at 3%. I like our process for what we're trying to do of trying to come back in this. But, you know, this week, I think we have to avoid like the super, uber popular guys, but everyone is kind of on the board this week.
1: Yeah. Heard of the seven deadly sins? We need the seven deadly wins, Pat. There's seven more events left and i think we'll require the winner at all of them to move up this board but who do, who do you think this week then who do you have in mind what's your options what, what are we going with here
2: well we have everyone besides denny available and denny's still available in 82 percent of one and done leagues in the race for the mayo cup so it, i i think that like denny henley hadwin shank jagger and cole are probably going to be your most popular one and done picks I would agree. I'm kind of happy we don't have Denny because he's one that I'm thinking
1: of just being off of. He, interesting topic. We'll talk about him a lot this week, I'm sure, so I'll save it. But I'm glad we don't have him for this scenario. I bet Jaeger. Obviously, I like him. Uh, you know John? I don't know how to say his last name. Caddy John. John Rattoos? Oh, Rathouse. Ha- R- Rat yeah, Rathouse. You've, you've done shows with him before and all that. So last week, he put everyone on, if they didn't know already or have in their back pocket, that Ricky had lashley's caddy now ricky's new caddy is lashley's old caddy when when lashley won at the rocket mortgage classic and this week he already came out and said how he was actually with jaeger last year and jaeger was just missing the putts that was it really and he said that was when he got onto his timing stuff he started making them obviously an incredible sunday for him this round four that he put together i think it was nine under bogey free with a streak and an eagle and just everything to go with it so He'll be popular, but again, when you've got Denny and Henley and guys like Shank and Cole, Jaeger would be one guy that I would put at the top. I guess I want to see where you're at on Eric Cole. And then uh, the other guy is obviously Shank. I just don't think we can play him. He's got to be popular, right, based on the betting market.
2: Oh, 100%. Like, I've bet on him. Basically, everyone I know has bet on Adam Shank this week. His odds have been crushed. And if there's ever a spot where you're going to use Adam Shank, it's going to be this week where he comes in in good form. Everyone's saying, oh, he has the two runners up so far this season. He's close to a win. And this is the spot where he's had the most success in his career with two top six finishes in his past three starts because he withdrew a year ago. But I... I have, it's not definitely not an off-the-board choice, but I think I have the right choice for us. And we'll see, okay. just kind of roll the dice and see how it goes. You ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> if it's Crazy Carl, I'm not. But let's hear who you got. Cam Young.
1: Perfect. I'm actually glad you brought him up. We'll we'll discuss, but you know you can go through why he's the perfect pick. I know why, but I think that uh, good good call. Actually, I didn't even think of that at first, but definitely makes quite a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. Listen, if I was if we didn't have to play catch up in the one and done, probably not the best selection. Like in our three man one and done, I'm using Shank because there's only three of us and we're not allowed to use the same guys in that. So once you take someone, they're off the board as per our rules. But in this. People will want to see, they've, I mean, he's only 49% available anyways. Most people have used up. The majority of players in the one and done have used Cam Young already. I'm sure it did not go well uh, if anyone had taken them. It's probably not going to go well for us, but of the 49% remaining that do have him available, They are not going to be using Cam Young. If anyone is going to use Cam Young, it's if he, let's say he comes in second this week or first this week, people will now use him at the Open Championship because he had such a great Open Championship last year. Or let's say he has a bad week this week and comes ninth at the Open Championship. It's like, oh, the 3M, the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. They will save him for a spot when his form is better. Now, he might come dead last this week because dude can't make a putt to save his life. But objectively, talent-wise, he's probably the best player in this field.
1: Right. And, and I've got some stats on that too. Again, using Fantasy National, just pulling it up. But I'm glad you brought him. And the reason I said I know why you're going this route is because I had another guy I was going to question you on just to see what your thoughts were. But it's definitely the case with Cam Young as far as talent in the field. You go look up. He's actually in the, in the last 41 rounds. So that's taking the last sample of 50. He's got 41 within the sample on easy courses. First in birdies are better. Fifth in DK scoring. Ninth in just ball striking altogether. So it's maybe the spot where the easier course helps him out. Maybe not. But to your point, when we're down and nobody's really going to have him, that would make sense. My guy I was going to ask you about that I thought was similar to this now, not the same talent level right now, maybe. But people were crowning him as that after two rounds last week. Uh, Aberg, going back to him here, like obviously, like you said it's at the top of the show, he had that great first couple rounds and then it obviously disappeared. But what were your thoughts on him? Because I don't know. Many will use him in one and done or DraftKings with the price that came out on him either.
2: It's funny because I think I'm going to run when we get to the DraftKings portion of this. I think I'm going to play the mini max and max it out with 150 again. I might run 75 lineups my way of who I think is going to do well and run 75 lineups the other way of guys that I know are good DraftKings plays, but I just... I'm not going to mix them in with my good guys because, you know, why would I end up doing that? But like Aberg, Cam Young, like there's a whole slew of them this week that are just very obvious contrarian pivot plays and you just have to have the guts to go with them. I, I mean, I won't for half my lineups, but, you know, if I, it's going to be the mini max, you know, chuck 35 bucks away to see if Cam Young and Aber can finish one too. Cust used him as his one and done this week. The one thing I would caution against, why I don't like him as much here, I think we learned a little bit about what he can do poorly and do well at the rocket mortgage last week and the issue was is going to be you have the travelers you have rocket mortgage and now you have this when you look at the proximity buckets they're all very similar so you're just going to have a lot of shots from 125 and in and just he was not good at those shots last week he, it's one of the drawbacks of hitting the ball 360 straight and I brought this up with Jeff that I think he's going to suffer from victor syndrome a little bit where I think that he's going to be a player that's better at tougher courses because he's actually going to score on these really difficult holes. And with all things being equal, when everyone can have a wedge into a hole, it kind of mitigates his big advantage.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true from that perspective. I think, like you said, the not a bad thing for a guy like him to be able to show up at those tougher tracks with tougher fields where his game just outweighs a lot that are within the field and he's just better than that many already and can show up and get the job done. But For something like this, that would make more sense. So I I like the Cam Young call. I'm pretty comfortable with that. I don't see, like you said, no one's saving Denny or Shank or guys like that for anywhere else. So they're just going to roll them out here. I'll have my Denny thoughts in a second when we get there. But definitely like the Cam Young call, just based on where we're sitting on the board, only seven events left to make something happen.
2: Easy stuff. So Cam Young is going to be our official play in the one and done. We're out of the money right now in six 1634th place with only one win. Unfortunately, I had Ricky in my like, other team, so I boosted myself back up into the money with that one. That was nice. I mean, I guess that what, is what the... What place did you get to? Uh, I got to 610th place. Okay. <laughs> so it was a big jump. I have two wins in that one. I don't know who my other win was. I think it was Scheffler earlier on in the year, or it was Homa somewhere. I had Homa as a second place. What the hell was my other win? Rom did not win the Heritage. I can tell you that much right now. I have no idea when this was. Yeah, I I used Ricky in the oh other no one as back well. back, like... back to back weeks. I have Keegan and Ricky. <laughs> oh, nice. There that's, we go. That's so, very good. Then. Yeah, so I've picked up five point one million dollars the past two weeks in this event <laughs> on up with Keep this up. with this team. Yeah,
1: that's good. Yeah, my my Ricky team boosted up to three twenty fourth, and Ooh. the other win was with Victor Hovland. Same thing, two wins. So get getting up there, but you can always make something happen. But then this week you got to think it through the other way, kind of how we went through our strategy earlier. So we're making moves, Pat. We're getting there.
2: Yeah, and it's not like, hey, I'm taking Adam Shank. Adam Shank guaranteed third third place or or better at this tournament. Like, no, that guy can most definitely miss the cut. <laughs> yeah, he's got a good track record here. He
1: does show up on some of the other stuff, like the stats-wise. He'll show up. Uh, there is actually some guys around him that look pretty good on easy courses longer term. And then also, uh, he he's shown up at the... Shriners, which is a course that a lot of people use as a comp course here. So it's just interesting to note he's
2: he's also shown up quite a few times over there. DraftKings picks and preview for the week. Let's start with Denny. He's the most expensive player. I, I mean, I'm not using him at all this week, and that's mainly because this field is a bunch of Denny McCarthys who are cheaper. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's like when it's Denny against all of the best players who all basically do the same things well. And Denny has this not massive advantage, but his skill set is so much different that if a tournament breaks that way and Denny's just making you know every single 10 foot putt, then, yeah, he's going to compete in tournaments like that. But now he's just facing like, let me just randomly scroll down to a random dude in the seven thousands. Uh, let's see here. Carson Young. Carson Young's basically Denny McCarthy. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them to your original point. And that's kind of the thing,
1: too, that we noticed last week. You and I talked about it on the show. I brought it up and mentioned it about how uh, these scoring, whatever, you know, the putting contest, the scoring events, as everyone likes to call them, the birdie barrage, whatever, they set up so that because there's so many people that are exactly the same or can do it all, and it mitigates that difference in, in sort of the delta between the two players, you saw last week, Finau, JT, Hideki, all these guys, there just has to be that price associated with them on DraftKings, but they can easily go down and miss the cut the other thing, Pat, we talk so often on these shows about course history versus recent form, and this is a little bit of a different battle this week, but Denny has been crushing the, the tougher fields this year. If you go back and look at all the elevated events, the designated events, whatever you want to call them, the majors, etc., he's been crushing those. Now, using strength of field, that should mean when he comes into this, he should absolutely crush, but then you go back and look at how he's actually played on these easy courses, and it's not been very good for whatever reason. And again, when you get into it, like you said, there's just a bunch of other Denny McCarthy's that brings him down the board a little bit as well. So it's kind of going to be a battle of that strength of field versus easy courses that he's not done incredibly well on as of
2: late. I think it's all, it always kind of boils down to when Denny isn't like the mid to low sevens, he's a good play. Whenever he's above that, he's a bad play. Yeah,
1: definitely possible. And there's a, uh, there's other guys I've got on the list for that way down the board, actually, when we get there, but, Uh, tough to say with Denny this week but 10-6 big price tag a lot of jokes being made though so I wonder how do you think the ownership comes in on him when you've got Henley Aberg but then who do people really go to 9700 Cole we know Shank is getting the ownership but who else
2: I think that people are going to have no problems like I think Denny will carry ownership I think Henley will carry ownership I think Aberg and Cam Young will be a little bit less than those two but I think a lot of people will be like Hadwin, Cole, Shank, Taylor Moore, Kirk, like some mix of those guys, even starting your lineups with Hadwin or Cole, I think is where people are going to go.
1: Yeah. Hadwin's definitely been getting talked up a little bit too. And for good reason, I guess. And obviously how well he played last week, he managed to be on the final green again, this time, not getting tackled, but it was not for a win. He did have a good run down the stretch. So though, so, so though I think he'll, um, so I think he'll stay popular uh Henley is the guy I think for sure up top though, Pat, to your point. Ten four. He's the guy that people are gonna go to over Denny or over Aberg or Young or anybody there.
2: It's always fun to do this so early in the week before we have any real sense of uh, before we can actually get Empirical numbers about where people are making their picks, how they're generating lineups. At least, you know, even if you go to fantasynational.com/slash mayo to get yourself that 20% discount, part of it is like those ownership projections update in real time when people star players, people generate lineups to give you a sense, at least, of what people on the site are doing. Like we're all kind of pooling the same information together to figure out where the leverage points are going to be. But it's so early in the week right now that we don't have any of that data, so it just kind of comes. Down down to gut feel of where you think that people are going to go. And I think it'll make a lot more sense once we start constructing lineups to see where the money left over is going to be. But I do think that 9 K or Henley Henley Shank starts, I feel like are going to be the most common starts.
1: Yeah, De- definitely looks like that from my end as well. I think again, surprisingly to me, it's early, but if you go to fantasy national, the other thing you can check Pat is where the stats line up and on Taylor Moore, for me, at least they still line up, especially on easy courses. I think it's going to be, you know, that's sort of the pivot that people look to make there. But then you have guys above him like Keith Mitchell, who no one probably plays, Cam Young, who should come in lower owned than Hadwin and Cole. Mind you, he's 10K, just saying at least in that spot, it definitely looks like there is some openings here where you could just play the talent and hope that they come through as opposed to the guys that rate out the best or what we've seen lately.
2: Hit the comment section and tell me who your favorite pivot play is above $9,000. And I can even give you a list of these players out there that I just think are going to come under-owned versus the price range that they're in. Aberg and Cam Young will be under-owned. You nailed it with Keith Mitchell. Uh, Seamus Power, no one's going to use. Poston's, no one's going to use. Ben Ann, no one's going to use. Kirk, maybe? I like Kirk this week. I I feel like Kirk is the the under-the-radar guy from the nine. Not necessarily under the radar, but he's just not going to have the Hadwin ownership. He's not going to have the Shank ownership. I think he'll probably be less owned than Moore and Griot because he comes right in between those guys. But everything that you look at in terms of easy courses, wedge play, putting, it all just kind of points to Chris Kirk.
1: Yeah, I agree on that. And he's also squeezed because uh, don't forget, Griot is still going to get love. He's got good stats on the board. He came second here last year. I think Grillo is a guy that people actually go to as the, one of the lower options. It's going to be Power and Poston. Surprisingly enough, with the you know Poston being the winner, nine thousand. I just don't see it as much here. I think Kirk, Poston, Mitchell. And for sure, power are the guys that go overlooked in this range.
2: So from down the board, if you start getting into the eights and getting into the sevens, are there any plays that immediately pop to mind as, oh, yeah, they're going to be popular? Like we we mentioned Callum Terran at 7,300. He's going to be popular.
1: Yeah, if we're just going to, we'll go to the sevens, but in the eights real quick, just Smalley and Jaeger for sure look like two that pop. And then where do you think the sentiment's going to be on Gim? Because Gim won the thing after five holes uh, to start the week. And then did not win the tournament in the end. So where where do you think people go with Doug Gim here?
2: I think that he'll be average popular. Like, he's $100 less than Kucher. Kucher is currently trying to qualify for the Open Championship in England. So if he does qualify for that, then I doubt you'll see Matt Kucher in this field. He'll be a late WD. Uh, the putting is, was pretty good at the Rocket Mortgage for Doug Gim, although we've now seen a slip in his approach two straight weeks, and that's where everything was boiling itself back up when he reeled off the three top twenties in a row. I, it's it's hard to make uh, what to do with Gim. Like I will be playing Doug Gim just like I played Doug Gim last week. Doug Gim's one of my favorite players, so I just inherently play him every single week. But I don't know, if I had to throw a guess on it right now, I'd say thirteen percent.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. I, I wonder, too, also because of the Ek Road stuff where Eckroat was exactly 8000 and so sometimes that stays in people's mind. We saw it with, like, I think it was the Justin Rose, uh, Russell Henley thing a couple weeks ago, where Henley got popular at a similar price. Now, he came through at his price tag, but I know there was at least some people that were worried about it. It was mainly just from something that had happened the week before. Uh, the other guys here, though, like Benny, Sepstraka. Those guys, I just don't see anybody going to them. So there's definitely leverage points in this range where you can go to those guys instead. I mean, mind you, they're maybe not the best plays, but just in general, they're the guys that I think you can definitely get some leverage on and will be lower owned.
2: Oh, for sure. And, like, I don't know. I mean, Taylor Montgomery is another one like that. Patrick Rogers, if you scroll through the app, is currently listed as out because he withdrew last week. Uh, But he is currently not out of this tournament. Maybe that changes, and he continues to be injured. But he has a second-place finish here. He came runner-up to Bryson a few years back. Uh, Nick Taylor, no one's going there. So, yeah, Gim would be the next sort of, like, anchor point of ownership because I have no feel for what players are going to do with Bez. And I do think that when you're constructing lineups – that it's just difficult. It's it's so much easier to squeeze in a Jagger and Smalley rather than conceding that you have to take a Bez or a Rogers or a Montgomery and, like, hitting this range because it's easy to manipulate your team at the bottom end easier than it is. Like, you'll feel so much better getting from Seb Straka to Alex Smalley in your mind, let's say, rather than being down in the, like, mid-sevens if that's your last guy in or at 7,300. It's like, well, I can drop... Adam Svensson to Sam Ryder like no big deal like that's not the the cost difference between those two guys at the bottom doesn't feel the same as it does at the top so I think people will just surely avoid a lot of these eight ks.
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data Learn more at marines.com.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case. The only time I see it being, again, popular is when people switch off and say, okay, again, because last week, another thing in their head, they just saw it. Maybe I'll leave Henley off this lineup, and I don't care about Young, or McCarthy. There's enough cases against them that, like you said earlier, two or three 9K guys, I think you could see, like, a shank more and then pick one of Smalley Jaeger. So I think those guys still fit into it, and then maybe you see, like, a shank with Smalley and Jaeger, just that that whole balance build right there, and then skip over because there is options when we get to the low sevens and even in the upper sixes this week that I think people are going to be more than fine with. A quick note, actually, Pat, on that, because last week we talked about this, the 6K range. Like Again, a bunch of them got there. If you go to the top of the leaderboard, this is the case, of course. History, when we talk about it, all these other factors, but just to bring it up, a bunch of guys got up. I think it was 40 of the 98 or something made the cut, but again, I, as I said last week, and that's where I, I think some people get – it, it confused or misconstrued or saying like, oh, I thought no 6K guys were going to do good. Well, no, of course, 6K guys did good. There's 98 of them in the field. It was were you picking those guys that got to the top and finding your way up there? like was How many people were on Lucas Glover week or taking a sprinkle of it to find his way up there amongst others? That's where you have to be cognizant of this 6K range thing and why sometimes it's tough to go down there. There was lots of good lineups you could build last week still without touching the 6K range.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the one that I, I didn't end up getting on him but Sky was tetting was Peter Quest. And like yes. we briefly mentioned him at 6,100. We were like, yeah, there's there's no need to go down that low. Now, I guess if you would use Custy Pete, you would have been fine. Like, I, I think I made my stands in the 6Ks last week. And I told you, Crazy Carl was a guy that I was using at 65. And he more than paid off at 65. But I got him right. Had I have got him wrong, I would have had like... I think I used them th- in 33% of my lineup, so one-third of my lineups would have been dead right away.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I like that, and that's kind of the point I was making last week, and for those that like taking the strategy tidbits away and things like that, that's what I said. Pick your guys if you're going down there. Mine last week was Norman was one of them. And Norlander was another. Norlander did not come through. He made the cut for us, which was awesome. I was happy. That was sort of the gut feel guy. Did absolutely nothing after that, so it was useless still. But at least I took my stand on the guys I was playing. Norman, not the best. It was like 82 or 85 DraftKings points. But it's not about who did I say and who came through. So my point was more taking the strategy and learning from it. And the idea, Pat, was what you said. You went with with Juan, or Yuan, like they, they say on TV there, with with Sky. Quest. That was incredible. I was cheering for him. He had him at 600 to one with the each way. So I know he got that payout from there, but just in general, if you're going to take your guy down there, take your stand on the guy so that you actually have them with the other guys that came through. The problem is a lot of people that would have taken their stand in the 6k range probably had one of JT, Finau, Sung, or, um Hideki, any of those guys that did not come through. And then you end up with nothing. And that's why having two to 3% of each of them doesn't do you any good.
2: I might bet Ryan Palmer to win in Scotland next week if he's in the field. Okay. Like his balls- I don't know if
1: I'd like him more there or here. That's what I was going to ask you. I-, I
2: actually like him more there. Actually, I've seen him play well because I just did a quick run on his stats from John Deere. Because right now, like, his putter is abysmal. Like, it's truly horrendous. He, over his past, two, uh, past five, sorry, past ten tournaments, he's losing two strokes per start on the greens he's missed a cut in a bunch of those too so that's only two rounds of data in the past few minus 3.6 minus 4.6 minus 2.7 minus 3.6 and these have been places where he had putted well in the past never really put well with the John Deere classic looking back the past few years we got here let's see here John Deere John Deere he came 18th last year, lost 1.6, 77th, 2.2, lost 7.7 two rounds before that minus five. So those are his past four starts at this tournament, and he's played in this tournament since 2004. Never finished better than T18, I guess, which would be in 2019. I just like I like the Renaissance Club for him, and I do think a lot of the shittier putters in the field can get bailed out a little bit when we get over to England and you start putting on that fescue grass, cause it's just slow. like just, the, the big mistakes that you can make putting don't seem to be as large, especially at the Scottish open course.
1: Yeah. I, again, I needed you to sell me on that because that's where I was wondering where you were going with it. But uh, because I liked them quite a bit for this week, but again, like you said, going back to it, at least the only thing I could, you know, one thing I would take away from it is, for the amount of times he's played it here, at least it is kind of just the putter he needs to find. And then on top of it, 2019 being that 18th place, maybe it's just a little bit better coming in because when you pull him last 50 rounds on easy courses, which is something I like to look at for this, he's very strong. And then we did see the flash over this past weekend. I don't know how popular he'll get there, but I, I will say this, for a hundred bucks less, uh, when we talk about Revy, sorry, I guess I, I shouldn't have prefaced it that way because we're going to get to Revy in a second, but for hundred bucks less, you can really get the true, flop flop lag on Hubbard like I said last week he still did get a little bit of ownership there and that's not what you wanted to see when you're trying to go back to a guy that everyone's now off of well not everybody was off of him just yet maybe they will be now at 7700 with Palmer Gim Reavy, some of the guys we'll get to down below so thoughts on Hubbard as well and then we can talk Revy too to go with Palmer
2: I mean, I'm even looking back at past 24 rounds and the key stats that I've identified, and Hubbard rates out seventh. That's actually better than Revi, who rates out ninth. Now I like Revi better. He just led a tournament in approach four days ago, whereas Hubbard missed the cut. But it seemed maybe I'll text uh, his brother and see if he has any sort of feel where Mark's game is yeah. at at the moment. But we got to this wedge part of the schedule: Travelers, Rocket Mortgage, and now the John Deere Classic. And all of a sudden, he's missed both of the cuts. Uh, when we played at some of the long... I mean, Charles Schwab and Canada weren't longer courses. But they weren't wedge fests at the same time. Memorial certainly isn't. Like This is where he was doing all of his damage. And now that we get to these easy short courses, maybe it's sort of like a Denny type thing where there's a lot of players in this field who are Mark Hubbard.
1: Yeah, th- that is true. I guess the price is fair for me because he's under the average price. And again, we'll see what ends up happening. It just feels like this would be the week that people would be off. And I've talked about this strategy. I mean, maybe you could talk on it more. I don't know how you do your stuff, but like someone was asking today in our discord about betting guys. Like for example, I bet Revi at 80. A lot of other places I saw at 60, a lot of people, you know, I've been, we, we've been all over this guy monitoring. I was betting him at 400 and now he's at an easier event. I thought this would be the spot to do it. I like 80, but if he's gonna come in super high owned at 7,700 in a range that is just littered with guys on top of some of those AK guys, going overlooked do you do you often or ever bet guys pat where you just betting them based on the value of the number and then just completely go off them in DraftKings? that was one of the questions that came up today
2: i mean i'm sure i have done it but generally if i have enough confidence and to bet someone to outright win an event i probably want that guy in my draft kings lineup now there would be yeah, c- there would be certain like let's say for whatever reason review was like i don't know if I hadn't projected to be 40% owned this week, then yeah, I probably wouldn't play him, but he'll probably be max 20%. And he's probably not going to be that.
1: Yeah. I don't even think he gets to that. I think that was, I guess my take on it. And that's what I was wondering with you. Cause we we're oftentimes looking for that each way. And so we're like, okay, we're getting a better number than the market. We waited for the summer to pop. We see other books and do some shopping and find out this is a good number. And we've get the, we get those extra places. Oftentimes it's not like with Revy at 400, a couple weeks. I, I'm not expecting the 400 to one to pay out that's the added bonus if it does but I like the each way odds on it but if it then comes in where he's at a price point in a range with a bunch of ownership I I may not be completely off him, but I definitely have spots where sometimes I'm lighter on them and the bet is not really the hedge anymore it's nice that it's there but it's kind of like I just noticed he got a little bit too much for me on DraftKings and there's actually some leverage in that spot
2: trying to find out who like I'm trying to build a lineup right now of a lot of the guys that we've talked about and, like, if you put in Chez, I guess that just makes forces your hand on Gim, I guess, would be the answer to that question. So here's the lineup. Uh, no, because reevee doesn't work with that either, does he? So no no Gim, 79. I guess Ryan Palmer is the answer to the, uh, the trivia question. So the lineup would look like Henley and Shank. We kind of conceded that that would be probably the most popular starting two. And then it would be yeah. Palmer and reevee with Taron and Carson Young.
1: Yeah, that looks about right.
2: Hey, those those Young, guys are all chalk.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. But Carson Young, 7,200 still. Uh, Taron coming off that ball striking week, he made fun of himself on Twitter and said, well, I guess it can't get any worse with the putter because somebody was looking for the... <laughs> I think they asked Rick or, or somebody like that, Justin Ray or someone like, what's the delta between that good of a ball striking week and that bad of a putting week? And he chimed in himself since they tagged him, was like, well, can't get any worse than this, mate, or something like that. So he's trying to find his way back up the board. But uh, that that definitely looks like a pretty popular lineup. And it looks really good on paper. Mind you, there's there's changes that could be made to it where you get a little bit different. I think it starts with Henley and going to like another 9K or an 8K guy. I guess, what do you think? Shank with two 8K guys would be the way to do it?
2: Get Shank- rid of Henley and a 7K guy? Well, you can get rid of Palmer and Revy. So let's get rid of Palmer and Revy and get Jagger in there. So now we have $6,800 left for our final spot. So okay, do do we see anyone right now at seven thousand? Are there two guys at seven thousand that we think kind of leap off the page that are going to be super popular, or at sixty nine or sixty eight? Because I don't see one that really sticks out. I assume you're playing your your boy Grayson Sig.
1: Yeah, I was just that's who I was about to bring up. Light the Sig. Well, it Wasn't too bad, so you, you can go back to Grayson Sig. But I, again, if someone's going there, uh, your boy Davis Thompson was there. He he showed up. You could go back to, to him there.
2: You could go to him there. Like I, I'm just trying to look at like the, the 72. Like You could drop Terran into Lucas Glover and save yourself $100. Batia's down there as well. Andrew Novak actually rates out pretty well. Justin Lower is at $7,000. Sig rates out really well. So if you go to Sig in that lineup, does Sig fit? No, we still need $100. bucks. we would have to go from Terran to Glover who I expect Glover to be relatively popular. And then you can go to Sig, and that works. You go Henley, Shank, Jaeger, Glover, Sig, Carson, Young. When okay. You, when you look I, don't, at, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either, but, I mean, I don't love it at the same time. What I wanted to see was if we take out Henley. Do you like Smalley again this week is my question. It's funny because Jeff and I had that discussion because he rates out number one in the short-term numbers I was looking at. My issue with him is going to be is, can he make enough putts to win this tournament? And I concluded that the answer to that is no because he's never made that many putts in a tournament before. He's going to be in the Griot range where he could come third, he could come second. So he might not be a bad play. And I was thinking of this more of, can he win this tournament as an outright bet? And I just don't think he can. I think if he's ever going to win a tournament, it's going to be like Rio, between minus eight and minus twelve. And this is not yeah, that so, tournament. So then the swap would be: is if you take Henley, who's in the ten k
1: range, and and put him down to Steven Yeager, and then you take off the original lineup, I should say, Pat, if you're importing and checking it, or anybody anybody at home. But then you take out Revi, who I said I think could get the most steam. That I like the betting number more than the DraftKings setup is where you come in at. Um, you you end up with. Taylor, You get Schenck, Taylor Moore, Steven Yeager, Ryan Palmer, Callum Taran, and Carson Young. And that's your lineup. Two 9K, an 8K, and three 7Ks.
2: And realistically, if you don't think that the 10K guys this week are markedly better than the 9K guys, or even how—if th- th- Steven Yeager was the highest-priced guy in this tournament, do you think people would still play him? Because I think that they would.
1: Yes, I, I do. I, that, so yes, Danny McCarthy is still getting ownership because you can get to him very easily.
2: Oh, 100%. But I'm just saying that if you swapped McCarthy and Jaeger in terms of pricing, you'd be like, well, that's stupid. But... And even did it in terms of the odds. Like, it wouldn't seem out of place. Now, I understand that Denny is the betting favorite, and he probably should be the betting favorite this week coming in, based on the way that he's played, the popularity uh, that he's picked up, especially in terms of the betting market. But if you just opened it up and all of a sudden you saw, hey, at first glance, like, Denny McCarthy was 35 to 1 to win this tournament, you'd be like, hey, that's probably a good bet at 35 to 1. But you wouldn't be shocked he was 35 to 1 and not 14 to 1.
1: Right. Yeah. Even me as a Jaeger fan, I love the guy. 40 to one. It's not like I loved the number. I'm just betting it because I think people were betting him at like 50 or 55 in a stronger field just a couple weeks ago. And now he's at 40 in this field and played really well on Sunday. That's why I'm betting it. 40 to one.
2: Yeah. But you saw the 41, but let's say that number had opened at 20 to one. You've been like, oh shit, I'm not betting that it's 20 to one, but I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. It's 20 to (laughs) one.
1: Exactly. That, that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. So,
2: so I feel like once you get down to, I probably would say, Jagger. I mean, you could make the case somewhat, I suppose, for Smalley. I guess Smalley's in that range too. So from $8,800 and above, I think you could take all of those players, throw them into a pot with the exact same pricing and pick them out in any order you want, and they're the same relative value. Like it doesn't, The pricing doesn't matter from $8,800 and above. They're all the same guy. I, I think so. I think the only one that,
1: you know, people would make the case against that is Henley. And that's why he's going to be the most popular up there. And people are just going to say his, his run of form, his history at this course, his stats, he definitely looks like the guy to, to not overthink. But we just saw that work with Ricky. Will it, will it work again with a guy like Russell Henley? I don't know.
2: I, it just It's such a different caliber of player. Mm-hmm. I, that's for the part that I think that people get sucked into, like last week, there was eight legit players in the field, now half of them bombed, so obviously it doesn't make that big of a difference but the talent level at the top end that we're dealing with here, to my point just isn't the same like yeah, maybe Henley it on paper skill set wise is the best play. that's why people will go to him, but he's still Russell fucking Henley
1: yes that that's the issue that's like, like you said, why we you know we saw it last week and and then you add in the fact that it is a a putting contest or you'll know, make who, who can make the most birdies and that sort of goes away and mitigates things anyway so there's definitely opportunity here for a bunch of these guys to bomb up top that people are just playing them because they're filling out their lineups and that's it
2: yeah if you need to get to the top of your salary the move probably is like i said take aberg cam young keith mitchell and just jam as many of those guys into your lineups as you can and hopefully one of them wins what What is like a Aberg Cam Young lineup look like? It's, it's super easy to make. It's no, it's not. We
1: can actually almost get there with the pieces we had.
2: Yeah. Like, who do we have? With the Russell Henley, Adam Shank, the last Adam, let's see, take out Henley and Shank and we can add in Aberg and Cam Young. We need to find $200 somewhere It's from Steven Yeager. So he, actually what we could do is do this. Go to Shez from Yeager. 77 that gives us 900 back up to 78 which gives us ryan palmer so we can build that lineup that has aberg cam young palmer reevey glover carson young
1: yeah it's easy it's almost think. what we had before this will be much different as far as ownership goes And we don't have to know what day of the week it is or have ownership in front of us to know that Pat. that's pretty <laughs> pretty obvious that that's just a completely different build 210ks four sevens the fomo that of just missing all those nines like we talked about whether it's Hadwin, Cole, Shank, Moore. If people get to Grillo, any of those guys, and then no Jaeger, no Smalley, no anybody in this 8K range, no sixes. Pretty interesting for an early build, definitely just to see how close it is to the others, but yet so different as a roster construction as a whole, and with those two guys at the top, one could argue. In your you know pick names out of a hat, Pat, that's kind of the the two that you'd be like, that's fine. If they showed up as the one two, who cares? Yeah, they haven't played well. But talent wise, that just could be the guys in
2: this field. Well, it's funny because we talked about Henley being probably like, quote unquote the safest based on what it is, but his overall talent level means he can combust in a second. Aberg and Young are the two best players in this tournament. Like, don't get that confused. They're just Aberg, yeah. we're not sure if this is gonna be the type of tournament. I mean, listen, it's what his third career PGA start. He can go out and miss the cut, although he has not done that uh, since becoming a professional. But, and we just saw him struggle, not struggle, listen, the guy was one shot off the lead after two rounds. Maybe he just puts it together this week and the weekend was bad to him. But we saw that he could do it, but the wedge game mixed with the mid-range putting maybe isn't where it needs to be to win a tournament like this. But if Cam Young went full Michael Kim at this tournament and won by 10 strokes, you're like, well, that makes sense. He was the best player by far. Yes, I agree 100%. That, that's what I wonder what
1: others are going to do with that information. But like I said, not only everything you just said, uh, I love the Michael Kim reference, which everybody waited for many years for that to happen. And now Michael Kim, one of the better Twitter follows out there, by the way, but just in general playing better also. But yeah. if you go to Cam Young, like I said earlier, crushing it on the stats on easier courses and has the sample size, 41 rounds over the last 50. So, I mean, he's, he's in the mix with everybody else that you'd say has the full sample. He's got a pretty good sample there and he crushes in these scoring courses.
2: 7K guys that you objectively like. So I have Reevee, who I do like, because I've bet him. I like Michael Kim at $7,600. I also bet him. Dylon Woo, I really like, at $7,500. $7, I also bet him. So those three are on the list for me. I also have Callum Taron at 73 Carson Young and Lucas Glover at 72 and Batia at $71. i am guessing you like Neesmith a lot at 71 Yeah, how'd you guess that? Because you bet him. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's true. I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were paying attention up top. Perfect. Yeah. Definitely like uh, definitely like Smith Again, just another guy that pops for me. This is kind of, again, it didn't fully work over the weekend last week, but the Norlanders set up. That's what I had here. Justin Lower, another one you mentioned earlier. Uh, Batia, I'm with you, who you mentioned right now. And then another guy down low here that could be your pivot off of Terrence, some probably play them together, is Nick Hardy, the local. I'm not sure if you saw this one today, but uh, Sia, does the the narr- sg narrative every single week and some and someone had nick hardy record a cameo talking about the sg narrative lineup with the six plays and he's a local said how much he loves the course 3 for 3 made cuts here uh, did not come through last week but definitely like nick hardy i'm always a fan and at 7300 i got no problem going to him here in this tournament
2: done sold nick hardy baby let's go yeah so yeah 7300 bucks for nick hardy let's get him in there yeah, and then you just have I I would rather play Chesson Hadley than play Matthew Neesmith, if it was me. Uh, we're starting to see the chipping and putting return for Hadley. The driving's been okay, and the wedges are still really good. The longer irons, not so much. But like Nismith's been bad. Yeah, you need something to get right. This this gotta be the spot here. Because before these miscuts,
1: really strong run, right? He was twenty-third, sec- thirty, a thirty fifth, fourth, like really, really solid, and then again. Um, not showing up the best in the stats but he's he's up upper tier for me when you do take it back over the easy courses so you just have to wonder if that's something where it can help him get right but again I'll pay to find out at 7,000 or whatever 7,100 I guess he is right here so um, lower was the other guy set at 7,000 then the guy you mentioned for me earlier uh, Sig at 6,900 don't hate him either
2: yeah Kevin Roy is going to pop up again sexy Roy didn't turn out well for people
1: How did it work out? I was just going to ask. I I couldn't get to that one. Everyone kept bringing it up.
2: Yeah, I believe he missed the cut on the number.
1: Sounds about right. But he has talent. It was just more of the thing last week where it was like everyone, again, 98 guys down here, and he was declared the guy that everybody's mentioning. He didn't get the ownership like that, but just saying in general, it's really hard to figure it out. That's the whole point of that 6K conversation from earlier.
2: Uh, So of the six, what do you make of Brennan Todd? Because this is another one that I brought up uh, during the research show that- somehow it has turned into if Brennan Todd could putt, he'd be doing really well right now. Yeah. And And that's
1: that's, what I see that stands out beyond that. Like I was trying to just have a quick glance while you were bringing it up and talking through it. But again, for me doesn't pop any anything on these easy courses. If anything, he's actually putted okay at them. So again, if that comes through, I guess that'd be the argument you could make. But then even going back this past weekend, he he pretty much lost on approach uh, three of the four days and very heavily on Sunday, actually, he he lost almost three strokes on approach, and it wasn't the old, oh, one hole went bad for Brendan Todd. It's a really joint effort across 18 holes. So uh, can bounce back at any time, but not my favorite play, especially in the price point that he's at here.
2: It, it just seems strange to me that if we're, and I mean, maybe you have a different take on this than I do, that I do think this is a wedge and putting competition just like the last two weeks.
1: Yes, definitely possible. Uh, again, it depends what you want, too. Uh, like I said, 7,600. So many options in this range. Like, again, I'm taking chances on boom bust guys, but the hostlers, the Michael Kims, the go back to people played Sergeant last weekend can go back to him. Maybe not the best setup for him because same reason you mentioned like the Aberg setup, but just in general, um, Doug Gims at 8K, Ryan Palmer's right there, Hubbard, who we talked about, Brendan Todd, T-56. He can beat it. It's just, it's not, either way, it's not going to do it. So
2: uh, very, very un- unlikely I get there personally. Okay. I mean, Michael Kim's probably going to win, so he should probably play that guy. I mean, I'm in on him. As I said, I'd
1: rather the boom bust of even though he's actually been more boom than bust lately. I had the one missed cut in there, but 38th, 43rd, 6th, 7th, obviously one here. Like I feel better about someone like him than going to uh, a guy like Brendan Todd and just taking the safety play.
2: From the 125 to 150 proximity bucket, where the plurality of approach shots are going to come from this week, especially on the very, very short par 4s and probably even the longer par 5 if people get to this range, obviously this is going to be different for all the players. But at Detroit, the players that gain the most strokes in that bucket against the field, Chesson, that are in the field this week, Chesson Hadley, Grayson Sig, Lucas Glover, Davis Riley's not playing this week, right?
1: I don't believe so. No, I think last week he was out. in, and then he's out. Yeah, he's out.
2: And then crazy Carl won.
1: <laughs> Carl, man, we got to go back to Carl. I think this is a this is just again scoring. I, I didn't look at his final DraftKings points, Pat, but wherever he finished, uh, definitely still came through on the scoring end of it, even with a little bit of a rough Sunday, I believe. Right, fourteenth was his placement overall, but he scored very well, so.
2: Uh, um, you know what? I don't know, because he barely scored at all on Sunday. Like, I think he just had one Sunday might have hurt him. I was like, yeah, I was just going to say that. That's the only thing, but, but before listen, that. But listen, he was a 0.3% owned guy at 6500 bucks. Whatever he did, like, he could have been in. If you had made five other good picks with that, like, Pricing discount that you got if he allowed you to jam in Hadwin Morikow and Fowler, which was kind of the point of using someone like that, that you could uh, you could just relieve yourself to get to the very top of the board. You just had to pick the right guys to go along with him. I was not able to do that, but he two two eagles
1: on the week as well, too. So that helped. Yeah, he
2: could have easily been in. He I, I probably wouldn't have been in the optimal because Peter Quest ended up coming in a tie for fourth and Glover was up there as well. But in realistic lineups that people could have built, if you just had Carl Wan in every lineup, you could have got yourself to the top of the board. Yeah,
1: and there's one more guy on that list you just mentioned. You said Glover. You said Yuan. Who, who's the other guy you said that was cheap this week? Hadley? Sig? Hadley, yeah. You, you mentioned him earlier too, and I just was pulling him back up. So I got to make a note on him because I do think, like you said, it is pretty interesting. He's just sort of... Finding it again a little bit these last couple, and then here obviously tenth, thirty fourth, and twenty fifth, and three of his last four. So don't don't hate that call. And I can't see anyone getting there at seventy one hundred. I like my guy Neesmith, but and even Batia too. So that's a, a tough range to make the choice. And you mentioned Novak earlier, uh, Lipsky, uh, Zach Johnson, and history. You, you know you can can you go back to that? Like there's just a lot of guys in just in this seventy one hundred price
2: alone. To look at it, it it's funny because. I said a plurality of the bucket of approach shots are going to come from 125 to 150 this week. However, a majority of approach shots this week come from 75 yards to 150, which is a big outlier on the PGA Tour. And then you're going to have your like, like I think the plus 200 percentage is one of the lowest on uh, the regular rotation. So if you look at Chesson Hadley, who lost strokes on approach last week, gained. 75 to 100, 100 to 125, 125 to 150, and was best in the field from 125 to 150. He was one of the worst in the field from beyond 200 yards. That's why. And guys were, I mean, when Dylan Wu is making an albatross and pin-seeking from 248 out, along with Morikawa and all the top of the rest of the board, then, yes, your relative... Strokes gained on approach is going to be really bad if you're not hitting those well, or even if you have like one really brutal shot. But the fact that he was able to get into that range with the wedges and just be money from 150 and in really bodes well for him this week, I think. As a DraftKings play. Like I'm not picking the guy to win. Yeah, and it's
1: it does show up again, even in the same stats that I've been comparing everything off on Fantasy National, looking at it here. Top 50-ish in the birdies are better DraftKings scoring, top 10 in putting on the easy courses, and top 20 in bogey avoidance. So he's still finding his way around and that's just taking advantage of those scoring opportunities, which he's done a pretty good job of. So at 7,100, not bad. Uh, Batia, Akshay Batia, the guy who you already talked about, he actually pops the most of all the $7,100. Of, dollars. of
2: course. But I don't think I was trying to figure out what is it with uh, Batia that when can, I I bet him every week. He's a FOMO bet for me. Cause I really love the guy. But these are fast, average to fast greens. I feel like you need to get them on slow putting surfaces. I really do. They Just take a look at where his best performances have come. They've come on like Velcro Pass Palom greens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, an interesting note. When you, when you do the deep dive, which is what it's nice to have with Fantasy National, you can go back and see um, a lot of these results are outside of the 2023 calendar year for him, right? You can separate it too. There's a nice tab where you can just take it down to like the last six months. And then you obviously have a much smaller sample that you're working with but just in general um for 2023 it has not been incredible before that though a lot of really good scoring so take that for what it's worth but definitely something you want to keep in mind when using it looking at that tool
2: yeah there's another element to this tournament i think that it's a great time just to go back to the guys that you've liked all year like sam Ryder for me i'm just gonna play sam Ryder. he's seven thousand bucks like he might miss the cut. There's a lot of guys that are going to miss the cut this week. But if you've had a hunch about anyone all year, this is the type of field to go back to those guys in.
1: Yeah, I think that's fine too. I mentioned earlier another guy that was in that range, David Lipsky, played him all year. Might as well just do it. Sam Ryder, you mentioned. Uh, the one for me that I usually play and really played well last week actually too was Tyler Duncan. He actually got better round one to round two to round three and then just lost it completely in round four. <laughs> but
2: uh, he's priced at 6400 That's pop- week. So he was the guy. That's Paul's guy. Paul was asking me about him before before the show's today. <laughs> We're aligned.
1: I like that, man. Paul Paul knows. Tyler Duncan is the guy. Yeah, just go back and look at him. He, he's got some good stuff, too, coming in. So um, don't mind him. The, the Rocket Mortgage, he needed to find the putter, and that was about it. Or he would have been a lot higher up the board. But Corrales played really well, third there. Like, just some of the easier courses he's shown up on. So I don't hate him at 6,400.
2: All right, so I have 17 guys favorited right now. So I think I'm going to build my lineups with these 17 guys, build like 75 lineups with these 17 guys, and then completely rearrange what I'm doing at the top. Like in terms of salaries at the top, what do I have? Henley, Hadwin, Cole, Shank, and Kirk, and Smalley, and Jagger. So that's 18 guys, all starred right now, along with the guys that we talked about. And then I think I'm just going to flip it and take like the Aberg, Cam Young, Keith Mitchell, Um, who like Seb Straka would be another one. Just like keep the same lower end guys that I like who rate out well for me. Maybe I'll add two or three guys to this mix and then just take out the top six guys and replace them with six other guys and just make a whole 70 new lineups that way.
1: Yeah, I like it personally because that's what I talk about oftentimes too. And I I was hoping you weren't just making two completely separate pools. That's not how I would do it. And what you said was perfect there. What I like is what you said. Everyone that just pegs these guys up top as the nuts we saw just last week that did not work out. Justin Thomas, Hideki, um, Tony Finau, all that. It's not just because of last week or for this week. It's all the time in these scenarios where if you take your stands down low, most don't, and I understand why. They say, oh, but I got to sprinkle all these guys in there. Well, if you feel really strongly about the guys you have down low, it's hard to say up top whether Henley and Hadwin is better than Cam Young and Danny McCarthy or whatever it might be, right? Like up 200, down 200, or sorry, uh, whatever it would be, Henley, and Hadwin or sorry Henley Young versus going up to McCarthy down to Hadwin hard to say but when you split it up the way you're doing Pat you can definitely get some more combinations but you're taking your stands and your guys down low you'll need more performances like crazy Carl this week and then it'll work out
2: well I mean playing crazy Carl again at 6800 bucks bet on the guy to win sure. not, nothing yeah. not, nothing crazy Carl enjoys more than a birdie fest hence his success on the corn Ferry tour
1: yeah, I also love the Billy Madison references that you got to got to use because of that one. So that's perfect.
2: Yeah. Billy Madison popped up on TV yesterday as I was scrolling through the channels. My wife made me turn it off because the kids were in the room. Oh, was, so that's
1: a must-watch though. If it does pop up, I will say that.
2: Uh, that is completely true. I, I'm just—I looked at uh, the other. I built like an alternative model this week that just had seventy-five to one-fifty proximity, and then putting five to fifteen feet to see. If, if i could find the most value uh, out of wedges and putting uh, coming in austin cook at 6200 is like amazing in this somehow and sung you'll know and hank Lebiota are the other two okay and then who are the guys that likes up top uh let's see adam hadwin russell henley chris kirk chris kirk
1: so that lineup leaves 1100 dollars on the table
2: so, okay. Is there anybody
1: like a, another main value like in the 7K range?
2: Well, Sam Ryder is number two in this model. Chesson Hadley is number one.
1: So Ryder.
2: Glover and Kazire are both top 10. And then you have like Aaron Badley, Brendan Todd, Michael Kim are also pretty amazing, along with Ben Ann. I'm oh, sorry, no, along with Steven Yeager.
1: Kazire's 7,200 this week. Who was the guy right before Kazire, you said? Uh, Glover. Glover. Yeah. Glover. 7,200 as well. Hmm.
2: Hadley at 71.
1: Hadley's what we need. Okay. Hadley, give me that guy. Okay. Perfect. Just one second. I got it. <laughs> All right. So Henley, Hadwin, Kirk, Hadley, Ryder, Lebiota. And then you could make Lebiota cook if you really think he pops more than him, and you want
2: him. I, mean, I, I I don't feel good about either of them, to tell you the god's honest truth. But I'll do what the numbers tell me. That lineup's yeah. like not terrible. Who was what's the other Cook even
1: been up to, man? I'll give it to you in a second.
2: What, I don't what's know Cook. cook I'm still up lifetime on Cook because I bet on him the week that he won.
1: Five five missed cuts. It looks like four or five missed cuts. Tough scene, but yeah, that the lineup was Russell Henley. Then you get two 9Ks. So it's a 10K with two 9Ks in Hadwin and Kirk. And then it drops right down to the bottom with Hadley and Ryder at the low sevens and Hank Lebiota at 6400 You can go to Cook if you want to leave
2: $200. If you really wanted to, you could take... What's... Uh, yeah, you could take Kirk. Kirk down to Jager, who also rated out really well. Get Carl Wan if you want So Kirk
1: goes to Jaeger. And then how much is Warren again? He is 68. 68. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you take Lebiota up to him. That definitely looks better. And it's actually interesting, Pat, because that goes uh, really from a roster construction standpoint where we said, look, people are already going to be starting Henley Shank. Well, you're not. You're starting Henley Hadwin. And then when they go Henley Shank, we looked at the build. They're likely to skip the 8K range. You're not. You're actually going to the top of the 8K range in Jaeger. And you still get Hadley,
2: Ryder, and Juan. That, that's not bad. And if you wanted to, you could get Sig instead of Juan if you didn't want him. Or Marty Doe, who people seem to like this week. He
1: bounced back. Uh, he had two good rounds, actually, over the weekend. Last weekend was really nice. So,
2: um, I mean, interestingly enough. There is something to that. You should you, That should be like at shipitnation.com. That should be like one of the articles you guys do. Because we were talking about it last week as it pertained to Morikawa. Like when you looked at his, the round he had to miss the cut. It was like, huh. I wonder if he found something with this. And kind of turned out he did.
1: Yeah, that is true. He he definitely did. And it popped up over the weekend. Uh, just going back to the other thing was, is if you wanted to go with your Austin Cook play and take a shot on it, you could actually then sub, keep Hadley, who your gut play liked, and then sub Ryder to either
2: Glover Martin or Kazire?
1: Glover or Kazire. Yeah, yeah, you said it. Glover or Kazire. That's pretty good too.
2: Like I said, I, I just don't... Just from
1: that model, like, I mean, this goes back to the... The Raza effect, Ben Raza, right? He's always talking about, like, talking about building a, a stats model. Well, maybe this doesn't make sense to you, but if it hits, it really makes sense on the same category that you compared them all within. So at least you have sort of a stat-built lineup, and sometimes that's something different in itself. And the roster construction is similar to the original, like chalkier mold that we built off the top with Henley and Shank and then all those 7K guys, but you have uh, another 9K guy in this one, or the Jagger 8K, higher up, 8 higher up 8K guy in the other build that we did with this style. So lots of different ways that you can go about it on a week-to-week basis.
2: So the only other guys from like the very bottom, if, you, if Austin Cook isn't really your speed and you do want to take someone from down here, Trevor Weberlow seems to rate out pretty well, as does Paul Haley II
1: and Lingmurth. I thought you were going to say Trevor Cohn. Oh, we, t- we had a guy actually lose $22,500 on the round three. We do those showdown shows on the Mayo Media Network. Guy in our Discord at Shippen Nation had a thirty-two thousand five hundred dollars sweat drop to ten k because of Trevor Cohn holding out for eagle on the seventeenth hole in round three, which was just insane. He needed par par, and he put it to like twenty-seven yards and then hold out for eagle on Saturday. But another guy, uh, real quick, I wanted to mention before we get off here, but Troy Merritt, you talked about guys finding something.
2: Well, I, actually- I I looked at it too. I looked at it and I was like, oh my god, I don't know if I can do this.
1: What's what's the problem? I know the course history won't line up, but I do think uh, to the I know this is something that probably nobody ever said to you, Pat, but there is such a thing. The Troy Merritt flow chart. I'm not sure if you know it. You play him when he's at an easy course birdie fest and at a cheap price tag. That's the key. And he was absolutely dialed on approach all through rounds one through four this past weekend to finish 17th place. So sixty six hundred. Don't hate going down to him at sixty six hundred.
2: Well, 13, he had missed 14 consecutive cuts in a row before last week.
1: Yeah. And, uh, who, somebody else, who are we saying that about on the leaderboard? There's somebody we were talking about that. Was I don't
2: it, know. was it, Glo- he, was it Glover? But either way, like Glover, two, yeah,
1: Glover, two, Glover had been
2: horrible two weeks ago. He, but Glover also switched his putter as uh, Rick pointed out that he went to like the arm putter and all of a sudden he's putting now. But at the Travelers, Merritt missed the cut. Again, he missed 14 in a row, but he gained 5.4 strokes on approach in two rounds at TPC River Highlands. And I said that these three courses I do think correlate very well for approach stats. So that was in two rounds last week, come 17th at the Rocket Mortgage, gained a little bit off the tee, which was nice, but gained over a stroke per round on approach. The big difference is he lost seven and a half strokes putting in two rounds at the Travelers, only lost a like... Three quarters of a stroke per round on the greens at the Rocket Mortgage. How you said uh, at this location, he's never really played all that well, but he has actually had some really nice putting performances, just not recently, at the John Deere. How much is Merritt? Oh god. Sixty six hundred.
1: Sixty six
2: hundred. Is it necessary? <laughs> is it necessary for you
1: to drink your own urine? No.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> you you but, know but, the saying, but... but 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 you like it? And it's sterile?
1: And it's sterile. That's the line. Yeah. Dodgeball. Um, but I do like this. If you go back to that lineup, we just said, you can go Henley, Hadwin, your choice of Kazire or, oh, even better. Alleviate the decision. Play Kazire and Glover with Jager and Merritt. And that's your build. Henley, oh Hadwin, Jager. You get both the $7,200 guys. So we don't have to choose a $7,100 guy. And you land on Troy Merritt at 6,600. There's the build.
2: Okay, one second here. Let me take out Leviota. Let me put in Merit. So we the have,
1: swaps we're making here are just incredible to start the week.
2: And put up to Jager. Oh, I still have 300 bucks left. Why is that? Oh, because I have Hadley and Ryder. That means I can take... Oh, you know what? I, I've built my version of this. It's Henley, Hadwin, Jagger with Merit and Hadley and Terran. So... Instead of picking between the two 72 guys or playing them both, I want seventy-one, seventy-three. 73 oh, Even better. I like it. Easy. It's going to be my main lineup this week. <laughs> Was there
1: another $7,100 guy that we were talking about? Oh, Smith, my boy.
2: Yeah, you like Smith. Hey. I like Hadley there. And Hadley and Batia is there as well.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a good spot to be in, Pat. I, l- I like these builds leading e- into the week. Easy spot. Easy spot to be in. And I don't think it's going to be as popular as you might. Again, we could say like, "Oh, it looks like a similar build type," but when you have no McCarthy, who's going to get it either way? You've got Cole, Shank, Taylor, Moore, all these guys we talked about, and and then you also have the the seventy seven hundred dollars range. Well, that's the popular range is like the Gim, Palmer, Hubbard, Revi, all at the top. We're phasing out that bubble of seventy five hundred and above, dropping down to these low end guys, and even adding in a six k guy that we're comfortable with.
2: Oh, I just generated 75 lineups. And I got 20% Troy Merritt. Let's roll. Export.
1: <laughs> That'll do it, folks. <laughs> that will do
2: it on the Pat Mayo experience and maybe the end of all of the money I actually have. Now, I'm just playing these in the mini Mac, so this should be a lot of fun. Uh, what do you got coming out later this week? Because obviously people are consuming this on a Tuesday after they finish their Tuesday morning cup of coffee. Join the listeners league and watch the show. You know, you still got a day and a half left. The newsletter will come out on Wednesday. So sub to that for free, please, down in the description. But what do you have coming out later on? Yeah, well, the Wednesday show over
1: on the Ship It Nation YouTube channel. So myself and Hoop, that'll be free on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll have the round two and round three shows, which, by the way, Pat, very good week for the listeners of the show. I know you got tagged in the one. I think somebody won $7,500 in the one that we got tagged in. We had a $10,000 winner. I'm going to post them out later. A $10,000 winner, a... $7,500 $7,500 winner and a $5,700 winner all in the Ship It Nation Discord from that. So pairing that with ShipItNation.com, check it out. $59 a month gets you everything there that we include for the one low price. So lots of good stuff coming out this week.
2: So I just exported those lineups to the first build that I made, and I literally just went with my stars on Fantasy National. I went from Henley to Aberg, Hadwin to Cam Young, Eric Cole to Keith Mitchell. Uh, let's see here. Adam Shank to Sheamus Power, Jagger to Poston, uh, Seb Straka to Taylor Montgomery. This is just easy to do. Doug Gim to Mark Hubbard. Simple stuff. Sounds like it's gonna be a great week for you. One one of
1: those one of those packages is winning, so one set's gonna come through. Just which one is it?
2: Yeah, well, it, it doesn't really matter then. This way, I can. I don't want to say I want to insure myself at least one six of six lineup, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, you know, red pill, blue pill. You just took
1: both. Yeah. So I'm, I'm eating both these bills. See what happens. One of them's got to be the winner.
2: Oh, and this one only, this one is only making me play 15% of Troy Merritt. So it's, you know, easy stuff. Perfect. All right, dude. Thanks for being on. You can follow Tambo on Twitter at Toetag and Tambo. His tidbits will come out on Wednesday morning where he aggregates the best of the free content from around DFS, PGA, online sites, and Twitter. And you can also find those tidbits inside the Mayo Media newsletter as well if uh, you don't know how to use Twitter, but you know how to use email. It's a much easier way to do it. So sub for free right now. Give me your favorite Whatever I said earlier on, which I completely forget, down in the description, favorite pivot play down in the comment section, sub to the channel, smash like and rate and review the podcast. I'll be back tomorrow with Adam Levitan, Thursday, Justin Freeman and a very special cuss corner coming out in place of the research show next Sunday and then I'll be back with Feinberg for Scottish Open. All right, thanks for tuning in. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time.
1: experience), experience.